0: I don't know if you guys ever watch dog shows. Really, I'm not a big pet person. We had no pets growing up. Um, In fact, my parents would say, Gary, you and your siblings are enough for us to handle. But the funny thing is, after I left for grad school, they went and bought a dog. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm being replaced or something. But um, on occasion, usually not intentionally, but I watched dog shows Um, and so yes i admire um, the the training a dog goes through to obey the specific training a a master may train their dog and so um, in this story by archibald rutledge he talks about how he encountered a man um, whose dog was just killed in a forest fire Um, this dog and this man had a special relationship they were close. Um, the dog was so trained that he, <coughs> he he obeyed his master to to the letter. And so, on this morning, um, the master, the dog owner, commanded his dog to stay at this picnic area and watch his lunch bucket. And so, <coughs> the dog obediently looked at his master and kind of did the. T- basic dog nod yes master i will stay and obey you and i'll stay by the lunch bucket and wait for you as the master went out into the forest and so the dog dutifully and obediently stayed and (coughs) a fire broke out into the woods and the fire spread very quickly into the forest and in the direction of where the dog was left Um, (coughs) the owner knew he couldn't wasn't going to be able to get to his dog in time and the owner also knew that the dog wasn't going to move was going to obey his master's words and stay there And so the dog was responsive to his master actually perfectly obedient did did not move and so the dog was taken um, by the fire so this dog had a faith that was so strong and so complete um, to his master to his owner it meant even this dog's death. I'm like you're like pastor where are you going with this? Uh, Well as Christians as followers of Christ um, one area of spiritual maturity is seen and demonstrated is in our obedience to our master Jesus Christ. Um, We see and it was quoted (laughs) nicely in our social media this week that one area to discern if you're maturing and growing in Christ is our responsiveness to God and His Word. Uh, maybe the flip way of putting that would be, if you see that we are delayed in obedience, it shows our lack of love for God Himself and our lack of love for our Master. Um, so let's break this down even further. So true, true faith um, is displayed and seen in our godly actions and attitude. When you lack faith um is seen in our poor attitude and our ungodly actions and so um so i believe james the author of this letter as he's getting giving very practical and poignant advice to these his beloved brothers that are scattered in the in the dispersa he recognizes that they are struggling in their trials in their tribulations and in their temptations. And he's trying to address them um, in this letter by explaining, hey, the trials that you have are for your character development, for your maturity. Um, (coughs) And one of the issues or challenges that he's addressing is when (coughs) you're struggling, when the temptations are on or um, if you are familiar with the CCEF World of uh, Biblical Counseling, they use <coughs> and use this concept of when the heat is on. When there's heat in your life, um, <coughs> the key is to trust the Lord and obey his word. Um, but he recognizes as he's ministering to his dear brothers and sisters that they're lacking in a response to God's word. They're struggling to obey Jesus Christ as their master. And so he recognizes that there's a problem with the responsiveness to God's word. And so he's addressing this specific issue in the Christian life. He's getting to the root of the matter of why these Christians are struggling in their suffering. And so um, he's going to address this in a very straightforward manner. If you know James, he doesn't mince words. It's not like he's going to you know, be like Chatty Cathy and just talk your head off. He literally gets to the point with very practical and pointed, um, not advice. He literally lays out God's will. Um, These aren't suggestions. He's giving God's will for this very specific matter of obeying God in his word in all circumstances and in all matters of life so in light of this we're going to look at James chapter one verses nineteen to twenty-three, I mean twenty-seven. Excuse me. And we're going to look at three directives from this passage to focus on our responsiveness to God Himself, Jesus Christ Himself, and His Word, so that we would be submitted, so that we would have an active, responsive faith to our Master, to Jesus Christ, so that we would live a radical Christ-centered discipleship with what faith in action. Okay with faith and action. So we come to Jesus Christ recognizing what? We are broken. We are sinners. We understand that happened in Genesis 3 in the fall. And we know there's brokenness in the world because we see it in our own lives. We see it in our society. We see it around the world. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins and we sang about that moments ago. And so when you come to faith, it's not just a one-time event like you walk through a doorway, but it also brings you into a pathway of life. You have saving faith and you also have living faith. And so you live out your faith by trusting in Jesus Christ according to what is written in his word. And so <clears throat> that's where James is pressing on. Now that you're saved, let's live out our faith in every sector of life. And so he's speaking very generally as the heat is on in your life, how do we respond to God's word? And so he recognizes there's struggle and he knows the struggle is real and he's gonna give us three very practical directives so that we could live in, with faith and action and follow these directives. And so here we go. The three directives we're looking at is to receive the word of God. Directive number two is to respond to the word of God and number directive number three is to be i said reform with the word of god or reformed by the word of god but either way these are three particular areas of transformation and of receiving and relating to the word of god and to jesus christ himself and so i believe when these jewish believers heard this message and read this letter from james they're like oh This makes a lot of sense and I really hope that it makes a lot of sense to you as you may be struggling in particular areas to responding in um, responsiveness, in obedience. And I want you to know in the end God wants to bless us if we get down to verse 27 and he wants to do amazing work. You might not be experiencing the blessing and the hope that you would desire in a Christian life and maybe it has to do with this area, a lack of obedience. Um, So the first directive, there's a lot here in these verses that James packs in tightly. So we'll try to break it down on time today. Um, Directive number one, receive the word of God. This is found in verses 19, 20, and 21. James gets real, he gets practical here, and he addresses his dear brothers and sisters in Christ with a deep affection. We see in verse 19, he's speaking to brothers, (coughs) the brethren, my brethren and so he has a close relationship he has an affectional relationship with them i mean he cares them he's not saying hey here's a whole bunch of commands and i'm just gonna you know flap you in your face and get get ship shape. now he speaks with them with compassion with a, a personal um, concern and so in verse 19 he addresses their mind um, he says know this It's important to know that he addresses their mind he says when you know it's about your thinking your processing why do I, I, why do I make a big point of this because many times when we're in heated situations and the heat is on we typically act sometime we react with good reflexes and we respond in a very godly and appropriate way but other times when we're fleshly and the heat is on we respond in a very emotional way or very knee-jerk way and so, when, it, when you look at the rest of verse 9, it says, be slow to speak and slow to anger. Many times we're fast to anger. We're going to get mad at someone around us, maybe a family member or a friend. We're just going to get mad and we're going to speak really quickly. And many, many times when there's difficult situations, we want to vent and we want to blame and it gets ugly um, <clears throat> in so many ways. But he says this know this. Know in your mind and know in your thinking, this is how we are to respond. It says here let every person, every single person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, I'll put a footnote here. Many pastors and even theologians will isolate this little phrase and make a whole sermon toward people who talk too much, who want to who basically dominate conversations. You know, you need to be slow to speak and slow to anger. Um, In the context of this verse, this is not a proverb for anger and speaking management. If you go to verse 18, you'll understand that this passage verse 19 is connected contextually to verse 18 and really the whole book but if you go back just one verse to verse 18 I want you to know that context is king in understanding God's word um, you're gonna get yourself in a lot of trouble if you start pulling out verses and saying hey look at this you know um, as I said a couple weeks ago if you just open the bible and poke method you might hit you know Judas hung himself you think oh I need to hang myself Um, no understand God's word in context okay I know that I say this a lot because I can't think of a better one at this moment but that's okay let it go let it roll verse 18 let's get the context to verse 19 James is speaking of God's sovereign will as it relates to the word of God and so he says this of his of God's own will he brought forth us we'll stop in that phrase last week we overlapped on this part and i'm going to bring it up when it talks about that he brought forth <coughs> us theologians across the board just talks about this is God's sovereign redemptive will to regenerate sinful man how is God's how are we brought forth how are we regenerate how are we made alive in Christ by the word of truth. It is by the word of God we are regenerated, that we come to have spiritual life. We come to have faith in Jesus Christ. Then it goes on in this passage that we should have or should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So understand this is talking about the impact of God's word for salvation. And now in verse 19 we're talking about we're shifting from saving faith to living faith from justification to sanctification here and so practically he's looking at these dear brothers and sisters in Christ he says they're struggling with God's word and he explains how to receive God's word uh, (coughs) appropriately how to grow how to respond how to exercise how to use God's word when (coughs) it's difficult when it's hard and also when life in everyday life and so he gives this command And he says to everyone, let every person without exception be what? Quick to hear. Uh, And he's basically saying, have this God-honoring reflex to be quick to hear. Um, To hear what? Um, To hear God's word. Uh, Many times when we are going through a hard time, there's trials in our life, one of our reflexes that we don't typically think about is to express our pride and arrogance. Man, I don't deserve this. Why is God doing this to me? I am mad at God, but many times we're not going to say we're mad at God. We're just going to just blame it on whatever, a lot, of, a lot of different things that we may choose to put blame on. <coughs> but James gets really practical. He says be what? quick to hear. He says, also, be quick to speak. No, he says, instead, be slow to speak. And he also, does he say, be quick to anger? No, he says, be slow to anger. So twice he says, be slow to speak and slow to anger. Why? When you're angry and you're quick to speak, you're not in a place to receive God's word Well, so James understands this, and so he just gets really clear. Be quick to listen with your ears, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay? So, in other words, he's basically saying, Hey, let's be quick to hear, let's be quick to listen, let's be quick to be attentive to God's word. Okay? Um, some people <coughs> and theologians across the board will put, point out a very basic principle. They call it the 2-1 principle. You have two ears and one mouth. So in other words, use your two ears to attentively listen to God's word um, <coughs> with a higher degree of attentiveness before you choose to speak um, <coughs> in the midst of your tribulations, trials, and temptations. Don't miss out on what God is saying, what God is speaking to you. So, be quick to listen. Um, and so, I believe um, James really cares for his audience. And he even anticipates um, that, this, that people would have this challenge um, <coughs> uh, of listening to God and his word. And so, he wants them to be unhindered. He wants them to be not distracted. And he addresses some very specific issues of why the believers that he's addressing is having such a tough time um, (coughs) receiving God's word in this first century. And I would say today, when I look at Christians today, and I even look at myself, why do we struggle? And he hits it really hard in verse 21, why some of those reasons may be why (coughs) we're not receiving God's word. As well as we could or should, and why this struggle still exists. In verse 21, James puts out a, a strong command here. He says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So James addresses what? two root causes, two root issues on why these Jewish believers are struggling to receive God's, God's word. And so <coughs> he picks out two root issues and <coughs> he states them right here. He says there's the issue of filthiness and uh, wickedness and he says these are two root issues that need to be addressed and he says what are we to do with these two root issues first of all he says we are to put away Um, we are to get rid of Um, this is in the aorist participle so basically it's a decision to say hey i'm going to deal with this and i'm going to continue to deal with this on an ongoing sense. it's not one and done forget about it it's one, and make a decision and continue to make this decision to deal and root out all, all filthiness and wickedness. So, what is all filthiness? This speaks of moral defilement, impurity. It speaks, uh, this term is, is linked and to a root idea of earwax. When you have too much earwax in your ear, what? It impairs your hearing, right? Um, I think I have a picture. I don't know if you watched this episode or this movie, Shrek, but I remember him digging in his ear and he pulled out so much wax, what he pulled out a candle, (laughs) right? A wax candle from his ear. And so James is basically saying your filthiness, your moral defilement, your impurity is clogging up your spiritual ears to such a degree that you're not able to receive God's word. I think about it, some of us take in a lot of moral defilement, impurity in our life. Maybe it's clogged your ear from the past and it's still in there, or maybe you're still taking it in the present and it's still clogging your ability what to hear and receive God's, God's word. Okay. There's another area that um, James is addressing is the area of wickedness. Uh, this speaks of moral evil corruption and particularly in the area of your intent and motives your intent and motive to do wickedness or to do evilness and so this also is something that hinders what your ability to receive god's word i believe when you have wickedness in your life it, it, it affects your hunger and your desire to receive god's word the second area that um, James addresses in our heart that he wants to root out is in the area of meekness. Um, If you are the opposite of meek when you're prideful and arrogant, it's again very difficult to receive God's word when you're not teachable. So he calls on his audience in the heat and the intensity that you're facing to be what? To be humble, to be meek, to receive God's word. With a, with a teachable heart um, <clears throat> and to be responsive to God's word. So when, the, when you're, you're prideful, you're in competition with God and his truth. Um, a heart that's tender, a heart that's temple, a heart that's meek is one that's able to receive God's word. And So if you know this is true, that God's word has this property, this power to what? To be implanted in your life in such a way it could do what? save one soul we should be I don't know what the word would be attentive serious caring um, whenever God's word is spoken that we want to guard God's message Um, (coughs) so that means don't be a distraction when God's word is spoken at the kitchen table um (coughs) in service. Do whatever you can to guard the message. Um, when God's word is spoken in growth group, um, guard the message. Um, <clears throat> do whatever is necessary so that you don't end, hinder God's word being spoken. And so, um <clears throat> So that what? The hope is that someone would hear and receive God's word to the degree what? They receive it. They recognize that God is holy and they're sinful and they have a problem before a holy God and they recognize that they what? need self-help. They need more religion. No, they recognize that they cannot save themselves. They recognize that hopefully in a community of faith that speaks God's word, eventually they'll recognize that there is one who lived a perfect life and died for their sins. And as they hear God's word, they receive it well to the point what they respond to it in faith and repentance. And I want to take it all the way to that point: so that they respond to it in faith and friend. Some communities they go, "We want to be the coolest community, have the best appetizers, the best community life," so that they're just cool with the community. No, that's not the end goal. The end goal is that they would know that the love of God through the community that they would what, ultimately know Christ and receive Him. All right? I know some churches they master on being the coolest community, and they back out any notion we're going to share Christ to anyone because they don't want to offend them, and that they would jump ship or whatever. Um, we don't, if God's words offend, so be it. But if God is drawing his people, his elect to them, they will receive God's word by God's sovereign work in their life. So no, that's point number two, to receive God's word. And as you think of your life, what are the areas, <coughs> root issue-wise or airwax-wise, that's hindering you from receiving God's word well, that's <coughs> causing and being an interference to receiving God's word. So those are things you get to think about and process. What's what's that earwax, in there? Number two, second directive is to respond to God's word. To respond to God's word is verses 22 to 24 here. Um, James has good insight into the heart of man here. For Christians, (coughs) sometimes Christians we, we think we have arrived Or we think we have graduated from our Christian life because we've heard it all because we know it all because we've been in church for a long time okay Um, I want you to know that you haven't arrived if you've heard it and you haven't arrived if you know it all sometimes I talk to Christians and they go you know let's go learn how to study God's word so that we would what be transformed or let's go witnessing oh i already know that but i go do you do that well, I, I was trained in abc courses at this church and that church but i go do you do it like when's the last time have you shared about jesus a week ago a month ago a year ago 10 years ago <laughs> answer that question I know elders that I've sat on boards. They're like 50, 70 years old, whatever, in that range. And I'm like, you guys have neighbors. You live in the same neighborhood for 30 to 50 years. Have you shared the gospel with your neighbors once in all those years? The typical board I'm at, probably 90% have not. But let's bring it down to the average Christian. Do we share the gospel? Are we obedient in these ways? And so, it's not about knowing it. (laughs) <laughs> and it's not about just hearing it we can't say we've arrived i got my diploma james shoots super straight here in verse 22. i mean kids we can't just say i know i need to obey my parents it doesn't go there i know i need to stop cheating i know i need to stop less it doesn't it's not there at the knowing level James shoots super straight here. He says, But be doers of the word. But be doers of the word. Not just knowers and not just hearers, but be doers of the word. He makes it super clear. He says, And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And he gets really straightforward. So a hearer is someone who sits there passively. Um, in an audience listening to a speaker. Exactly what we're doing now. But you can sit here in a couple of different ways. You can just sit here, you're putting up your time, you're here because your parents, you know, make you sit here. Or you sit here because I'm, I'm here on Sunday and that's just what I do. Or you can sit here with a heart to actively learn, to say, I'm literally taking this and I wanted to put it in action right away. But if you're sitting here passively, and I know if you go to college and <clears throat> It could be a college class or other kind of classes. You have options to take things for credit or certification. Or you have options to take things with a mindset. I just want to hear the speaker and learn information. And in one sense, audit your class. right? You could pay a cheaper rate instead of the full tuition for your master's or your bachelor's degree of three, five, six hundred dollars 500 dollars per unit. You could just pay a lower rate and just audit your class. You know what I'm talking about? My biggest concern that James is also addressing is that we have this mentality that we're going to audit our Christianity. We're going to come and we just what want to listen for information and have information overload and not want to take it to the next step and be transformed. This is what James is addressing to his audience and to us here today. We know we're supposed to be loving. But do we love our neighbor? I was reading this quote today. We know what kind of theology we have as it relates to how we love our neighbor. We know our view of God as it relates to how we love. We know what what kind of belief in the gospel we have as we conduct ourselves, as we behave and relate to those around us. Does that make sense? And so James warns of and against self-deception, self-deception here. He says and addresses it in this way, he says the self-deception is basically this. Some of us think that listening to God's word is equated to obeying God's word. No, they're two different things. Listening is one thing, obeying is another. Actually doing God's word is what? Obeying God's word. Listening only is only listening. I don't mean to be overly redundant, but I think the Christian church gets this seriously confused. They think I- I'm loving because I, yeah, I-, I know the Greek word, I know how to parse it, uh, I've heard it in many ways, I know there's many forms to love. Who cares if you're not loving? And so James basically says, Hey, there's this deception going on, there is this what? I'm going to focus and circle this key word, deceive or deceiving. This is a word in the Greek that has this idea of a mathematical miscalculation. Okay, it is to reckon wrongly. It's to do the math and you just come up off. I'm not saying like one plus one equals three. It's like one plus one is saying it's a hundred. You're just off and you're off badly. And so what James is addressing is a spiritual miscalculation in your spiritual life, where you know this, but you're producing about this much of doing, and he's going to illustrate this very soon. And Saint loves Christians who say, yep, I know it, (laughs) I know a lot. And he's like, yeah, I'm glad you guys are consumed with your knowing a lot, but I'm glad that you don't obey God's word. I'm I'm just talking as if I'm Satan. You know and, and and I see this trend amongst Christians. They go from listening to listening to listening. They find one preacher I like him because he has cool illustration or he has this cool voice and it's deep and it's loud Or it's a squeaky voice. Oh, he's so attentive. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's squeaky I don't know but you go from preacher to preacher to preacher and you just are an expert at listening to all kinds of preachers and you know a lot But your heart's not broken you don't serve much in the church, you're not serving much in the city, no one around you even knows you're a Christian unless you throw down a cross on your shirt. And you're like, oh yeah, maybe you're a Christian, but I can't tell by your actions. Thomas Kempis says there's only one kind of obedience. He says, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Therefore, strive to withdraw from obedience is to withdraw from grace. In other words as you draw it to Jesus Christ in obedience you're drawing into his grace. Um, Here I'm just going to throw a parental analogy but you can understand it from the fact that we are all children of God relating to our Heavenly Father. As Tracy and I trained our children and hopefully as you guys train your children the hope is that you train them what? Toward instant obedience. Okay? You don't say clean up your room and it's like, okay, play with the toys for another five, ten, fifteen minutes, or I'll get to it in an hour or next year. Right? Instant so obedience means what? Immediately and completely. Alright? Set the table. Oh, I'm gonna play some more games. I'm gonna TikTok a little bit more. I'm going to Snapchat a little more. No, it means set the table. All right, so if we, and it's not, I don't know which way we look at it from a parental experience, like okay, our kid is very slow in obedience, or maybe my kid doesn't honor me well, or doesn't disobey me that quickly. But when we ask for instant obedience, it means immediate and completely, and it means done right away in its entirety. All right? In the same token, when God calls us to live out his will, does he want us to obey with delay? Or obey when I get to it? Or obey when it feels right? Many times we're functioning on our emotions. Some people, it, it's interesting, God is so kind to us. I think he wants us to do his will. And he puts so many opportunities right in front of us to do God's will. But we got this airwax problem. We got this hard heart. We have this pride in our life that we're just not responsive to God. I mean, we so much cry out for responsiveness from what? Our internet, our computer. God wants responsiveness, what? In our lives, in relationship to Him. So, James takes it to the next level. If we're not getting this, He he makes this serious illustration, verse 23 and 24. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, same concept as before. He says, man, if you're not getting it, I'm going to make it super clear to you. He is like a man who intently, who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. And what does he do? For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he looks at, or he was like. So in other words, let me just make it super clear. Most of us woke up today. Why? Because we're not in our bed dead. Okay, We woke up, we get up, and the first thing we go to is maybe the bathroom. Or if you don't need to go to the bathroom, we go to the mirror. right? And when you look in the mirror, if your eyes are open, you're going to deal with stuff that you see right if you have eye boogies you clean them out right if your hair is sticking up you pat some water and push it down or if you're a girl I don't know you curl it or put it up whatever you do to what address what needs to be addressed right Um, you have nose hairs coming out what you grab them scissors and you clip them out right you have some guys have ear hair or hair in their ears right you got to clip those things too so whatever once you see what needs to be addressed in the mirror what appropriate to deal with it. What James is saying, in a very similar way, as we hear God's word spoken, it reveals to us what? Areas in our life that needs to be addressed. Areas in our heart that what? Needs to be addressed. He addresses our actions and he addresses our attitudes. I want you to know A mirror does not lie. It tells you exactly what you look like, unless you think you're at a circus, and you're looking at those those other kind of mirrors that distort you. You know, if you're fat like me, you get the one that makes you look skinny, All right, If you're a little too skinny, you want to get on the mirror that makes you just right. I don't know. But sometimes I think our view of God's word is warped. And so we looked at, look at ourselves in a warped kind of way. We're not really being honest to what God is showing and revealing in our life. So we might be saying, hey, in this picture, yeah, I'll show God my good side. <laughs> and maybe sometime we need to turn around in the mirror and look at the other side too. Some of us are experts at just putting our good side right pastors are worse at this right we put our best side on the what sunday all right Um, sometimes we put our best self but there's this other side that what needs addressing and so we need to look at that in god's word as we look at the mirror that's showing us the areas where we need to address yes james is getting at the root of the matter big time and there's many more things i could say but i think we're getting the point here because james gives us illustrations to use in this passage um (coughs) directive number three being reformed with god's word verse 25 26 and 27. james uh, brought his message home he wants the word of God to have its impact as it's designed to. And I, I think sometimes, I think Christians play this game, is called Christian dodgeball. <laughs> okay? There's a lot of things that we know God would have us to delight in and to obey Him. And, you know, some very basic one is to be in fellowship. Um, to love him, to meditate on him. So we're just it. And that we just really And sometimes times we just meditate we play this dodge, but we know we're supposed to be. And so, sometimes if we don't want to obey God's word, we just say, we're just gonna disagree with it. <laughs> we're just gonna disagree with it. Or we'll just dodge it. No, it doesn't quite mean this. And no, it doesn't it doesn't quite mean this. Or, you know, you pastor you're talking to me about my evangelist. I did that. I mentioned on a mission trip with you. Remember we went like ten years ago? Or um, it's been the most fascinating year for me to interact with Christians these days. Like, <clears throat> when it comes to racism, it's fascinating. Uh, the Bible is very clear; He made one race in Adam. But <laughs> people want to fight with me. No, God's Word says we have all these other races. No, He made one race it's in Adam, and we're redeemed through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And that's all it says. No, we have a whole bunch of cultures, and yes, they're in conflict to each other. But the Bible is pretty clear, in my, my opinion. Um, I have ladies literally talking to me at different times, and I, this may be you gave pastors pet peeve or whatever, but I remember a, a number of gals saying, you know, I want to be a pastor. I want to be an elder. And we read God's word, and they, both of them said the similar thing. You know, Paul, he didn't know what he was talking about when he pinned these words. He didn't mean what he was saying. And I'm like, no, God inspired his word and Paul meant what he said. We play the spiritual dodgeball. We play this scriptural dodgeball game when the word of God is very clear in so many areas. And so let's just walk into this. James chapter 1, verse 25. But the one who looks, at the, looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and guess what? Preserves. You follow God's word. You preserve, even if you're going to have cultural whiplash, even though some people might not like it, or people want to throw rocks at your face or spit at you or whatever. Well, you know, even if it means your death, crucifixion, preserve in these things. Being no hearer who forgets. Again, James brings it back over and over but a doer who acts and guess what he will be blessed in his doing so james is being very careful and serious here he says Gu- guys guys yeah, brothers look intently on god's word know god's word for what yourself You can't count on the podcast all the time. You can't count on the commentary all the time. You got to know the word of God for yourself. You can't say, oh, I've heard all these different things. It's kind of like this chat line of fluff. I've been going to church for so long. Folks, you need to know the word of God for yourself and know exactly what it says, old and new Testament. You just need to know it's not like, oh, it sort of says this or Google says that when I look it up, know it for yourself. Okay, um, there's so much blessing in knowing God's word and obeying it. <clears throat> I'll give you one example. John chapter eight verses thirty-one to thirty-two. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, who had believed him, "If you abide in my words, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. That's the power of God's word working in your life. Okay how many of you guys have ridden a, ridden a train some of us how many of have ridden the real fast ones like in japan that go like 200 miles an hour there you go how about, i heard china's putting out some too they go really fast trains work very well when they're what on the track i want you to know a secret christians work really well when we are on god's track the scriptures We can go really fast for Jesus Christ in a good way and we'll experience freedom and joy and blessing when we are on track. So two more pictures just to make it real clear and just to bring it home. I don't need a closing illustration because James provides all the illustrations we need today. Um, But James gets to the heart of the matter and he expresses our heart through our speech. In verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. Okay, um, basically James is making a quick analogy here, quick checkup here. If someone says, hey, you know, verbally, this is how we are to live, um, or on one side of speaking what's in the mouth, or Maybe the other side, where I think the text is leaning onto, does not bridle their tongue. Their tongue—how can I put it? Their tongue literally expresses what's in their heart. So, if I were to speak verbally what's in my heart, basically I'm saying, "Hey, everyone, this is what's in my heart," and so. As Jesus says in Matthew 12, if cursing and wickedness comes out of my heart, if evil and bad comes out, of my heart, that's what's in my heart. And so <coughs> there's a consistency of tree. Uh, only good trees could what? Bear good fruit. In contrast, bad f- trees bear what? Bad fruit. And so if we pull out our heart and we're talking in godly stuff and godly attitudes come out, it says what? Your heart is what? In a good place with Jesus. Saved, growing, and abiding in Christ, and so James ties it all together. What is our religion worth? And so we ask ourselves, what is it worth? As we consider the words that come out of our mouth, but it's not just our words, right? He's been talking about our actions all the way up to this point, and he is concerned about actions, even on verse twenty-seven. In verse twenty-seven. The evidence in our heart and where we are with Jesus is always seen and demonstrated on how we live, our behavior, our conduct, our action, and attitude. And so we see this in verse 27. The hope of God's word is to save you and to reform you, to justify you, to sanctify you. In verse 27, he says, James says this religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to what? visit orphans and widows in their affection and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So three things right here, (coughs) to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. These are folks that have little to offer back but they're image bearers of Jesus Christ or image bearers of God himself. He says, Christian, if your faith is worth anything, if it's worth something, you express it in action by visiting orphans and widows. Do I even need to ask the question? When is? Last time. Fill in the blank. May we have a ministry, may we have a love to those who aren't able to give back. Sometimes I wonder what would it be like if maybe a husband or two passed away. How will we relate to the wife, the widow that's left behind? As a church that has received what? The gospel through adoption. Would we be a church that would step in to adopting, to foster adopting? We're so blessed in America. Every one of us lives in the top 5% of richness financially here. We have houses, we have extra rooms, we have extra beds. Will we would consider adopting. Or even short term, foster adopting. I'm more than happy to write out those forms to make those happen. Um, what we consider? And then lastly, to keep oneself unstained from this world. That's huge. That's huge. There's so many areas that God would want to address, but I know how much we value response time from the EMT, from 911, from the police, from the firemen. I want you to know our God values response time from us. Every week, week in and out, we have opportunities to love one another, to greet a visitor. It's easy to know, as we look in each other's eyes, if we've had a bad week, to pause, to listen, to ask how it's going, pray for the person on the spot. It's not that difficult to pray for someone on the spot. And this is talking about the inside community. We have it pretty good. There's a community outside these walls. Neighbors, co-workers. My friends, there are many ways to respond, and I hope the Spirit of God could lead you to one or two areas. Flip. These might be some areas. Salvation, baptism, membership. It's interesting. The church is fascinating to me. We know how much... The fellowship is good when people come to service and there's times to eat because people come. We know how much we love Jesus when we come to pray, when we share the gospel to others. Yeah, this is from my former pastor, but it's was so wrong t- to me for the last 20 years. Oh, yes, the prayer meeting is small all the time. When it comes to witnessing, so few do it whether it's together or on their own. So it gives me a conclusion that what? Maybe we love our social lives more than anything else. And we don't love Jesus as much as we think. I don't want to be so harsh, but just think about it. John is very clear. (laughs) Jesus is very clear when he says, You show your love for me, Jesus Christ. What? When you obey my commands. When you obey my word. We're going to close differently. Let's keep the taps going. Allow the Spirit of God to search our heart. To ask the Word of God, the Spirit of God, to isolate one or two or three areas where I have gross miscalculation in my life. I know you gave us your word for our good and your glory. I know we have much gross miscalculation in our lives. Lord, show us these areas. Lord, if we need to be saved, might we be saved? If we've never gotten baptized, might we get baptized? We need, some of us need to stop dating the church and actually be committed. Others of us need talk with you more in prayer others may hey we need to look at god's word and may the mirror of god reveal areas where we need to what recognize and repent some of us recognize that god's word calls us to be accountable to one another to godly elders to be community as a family may that be an area some of us understand hey being a Christian is to, be make, to make disciples who what? Make disciples that make disciples. But we stopped that process. I'm a disciple and I stopped. No, you're not a disciple if you think it begins and ends with you. Help us to understand our calling to make disciples that make disciples. Maybe there's someone to adopt or to visit. Maybe a ministry to prisoners, those in prison, or to nursing homes, or senior homes. So much, so many opportunities to minister the gospel, to be your ambassador. Help us, Jesus, we need you. Let's close this gap. Let us stop auditing our Christianity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.